For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in. Like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Ready for an amazing deal? BreezeLine's fiber-powered internet starting at $19.99 per month offers the reliability you deserve and security you can trust. Whether you're streaming, gaming, or working from home, we've got all your needs covered with speeds up to 1 gig and our two-year price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with two free months of internet, free equipment, and free Wi-Fi your way to protect against cyber threats. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires July 8, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Hi, everybody. Uh, it's Andy Richter. I am here again uh, with the three questions. Um, America's most beloved podcast. Don't look it up. Just trust me. The The stats are there. Uh, and I am talking to uh, an old pal, a guy that directed an episode. Well, the first time I met him was we when he directed an episode of one of my old shows. And I'm so happy to say that he can't remember which one it was. I mean, he, we remember what show. We just can't remember what happened in the episode. I remember uh, you cracking some really good jokes. Well, yeah, I'm hilarious. You'll see. <laughs> uh, I'm talking to Jay Chandrasekhar of uh, The Broken Lizard and, uh, you know, a million other things. And uh, have you, how many episodes of television have you directed now? I, uh, well, I just, you know, I started when I was 24. So I've done yeah. over 150 episodes wow. of television. Wow. Uh, and, and 10 movies. <laughs> wow. That's pretty sweet. That's amazing, you know? You'd think somebody after 150 would bring me a cake or something. (laughs) And in fact, I'm still waiting. There's no cake after 100. I mean, nobody really cares. Nobody cares. Yeah, well, well, I care. I mean, that's... I mean, you've really... That's really chugging along, you know, for... Yeah. And for somebody, you come from a family of... uh, Is it doctors and lawyers? Yeah, they're doctors. Well, my parents are doctors. My sister's a lawyer. Yeah. So you all rebelled against that medical profession. We're going to be lawyers. That's right. That's right. No, but I mean, were you seen as kind of, you know, like the weird one? Because you didn't want to do, you know, the classic good Desi Sun stuff? My dad um, was uh, number one in his medical school uh, in the class. And a year later, my mom was number one in, in, in the same medical school. And so when I um, was eight, when I was 17, 18, I was applying to, you know, uh, colleges. I had, I had a B plus average. I was like number seven in, in the class. Right. And my dad and I was applying to Harvard and Yale and all these places. And my dad is like, he goes, why would they want a junky B plus Indian when they have so many good A plus Indians to choose from? Uh, uh, and my dad was right. I didn't get into any of those schools, but, but um, I had a lot of confidence. It was said with love, I'm sure. I suppose. He, yeah, just yeah. Straight. he never lies. Is he it, never lies. Is it hard growing up, you know, like not being an overachiever and an Indian? Because you're you guys are Tamil. And is there a big difference like between... Tamil households and other Indian households? You know, that high achieving thing is 
partly a function of uh, we're in a new country, and if you don't do well, you're yeah. going to be on the street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not really true, but right. still. But um, the streets are made of gold, so it doesn't matter. That's right. Yeah. The streets are made of gold. No, I mean, look, I mean, there, there's no doubt that the reason they even came here is because they were high-functioning. And so their attitude is, you better be high-functioning. I think you mean high-achieving. High-achieving. Yeah, yeah. High-achieving. <laughs> yeah, I got even that wrong. <laughs> whatever. You know, I've done a couple things. In my, my parents are, are perfectly happy with what I've done. So, yeah. So, yeah. And are, are you a middle kid? You're a middle I'm kid. I'm the second kid of, uh, of two. Of two? Oh, okay. Of two, yeah. Do you think that going into comedy, do you think that being growing up in a house run by two immigrant parents that that like gives you a unique perspective on American stuff that, that aids in, in a comedic view. I, I think so for sh- for sure. I mean, my parents grew up in, in India, so they had a British sense of humor. Like English is the national language of India Yeah, because there are, there are a hundred like different languages there. So the one language that unified them was English. Um, and so they naturally were sort of drawn to like PG Woodhouse and, and Python and all these sort of, uh, you know, British comics. Yeah. And so they have this sort of, um, British sense of humor and, you know, yeah, when you're an immigrant, you absolutely, you know, you look at the country that you're in and sort of, I mean, I was born here, so I just thought it was my country, but yeah. they definitely observe it in a different way. Right, right. And you and you're from the Chicago area, which is its own its own perspective too. Its own kind of, you know, like mm, I don't know. I mean, there, it does have a definitely. I wouldn't say it's like a jaundiced perspective, but it certainly is like don't get too don't get too far ahead of yourself. You know, it's a humble kind of bullshit detector kind of perspective. I you know I think the Chicago sense of humor is is uh i i mean it's very much inside me you know i mean i i i feel um you know i feel like even after making 150 episodes of television 10 movies i still feel like they're about to kick me out of show business yeah i feel like i have a chip on my shoulder and i'm i still am like oh yeah you don't think i can make it watch me and the reality is, I've talked to some friends of mine. They're like, nobody says you can't make. Everyone thinks yeah, you're going to you, make and, it. <laughs> and newsflash, you've made it. I know. You know. I know. I know. But I'm still pissed off. Yeah, I'm yeah. Just like, oh, who said I can't do it? I'll show you. I'm from <laughs> Chicago, and I, I mean it. Yeah. I really do mean it. I'm yeah. still like, you know what? Screw everybody. I'm going to make this movie, whether they think I can or not. I really believe that. Yeah. And everyone's like, well, yeah, yeah, no, they gave you millions of dollars to do it. And yeah, we're we're scouting <laughs> locations. Yeah, we know. Well, I'm going to make it. I know, I know you're I in know. a you're in a van yeah. with 10 people waiting That's for you right. to tell them what to do. Right. You're yeah. signing our checks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, did you were you a funny kid growing up? I mean, where it was a funny family, you know, uh, it was a funny family. And I um you know, I, I I really did get a lot of laughs. I got a lot of laughs with my with my family because I used to put on weird stuff. I'd you know I'd put on my mom's heels and her or like uh, fur coats and yeah. clomp around and you know just dress up right right and, right and uh, and with my friends I got a lot of laughs too and and that was all the way through college and I remember when I was thinking about going into show business I 
I looked at the uh, movie and television screens and there were no Indians on them. I mean, aside yeah. from ben, ben Kingsley, who 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 was in Gandhi, but there wasn't, you know, the way that movie ended, they weren't going to make a Gandhi too. Uh, and so I was like, you know, the, the, the Peter Sellers in the, in the party was a white guy in brown face. Yeah. Who, by the way, I really liked his performance, I have to say. And then uh, Fisher Stevens in um, Short Circuit was a uh, white guy in brown face. And, you know, my dad saw Short Circuit 2 and he goes, you have to see Short Circuit 2. And I said, why? He goes, there's an Indian in it. I said, Dad, that's not an Indian. He goes, well, it's as close as we'll get. And I'm like, nah, nah you give me a second here, pal. And so I decided that, you know, I, I could make my friends laugh. No, no problem. But could I make strangers laugh? And so I moved to Chicago. Uh, I took a semester off Colgate University where I went to school and I I kind of like got in, I got involved in the improv Olympic with both uh-huh. clothes. I was 19. Chris Farley was in the top group. I was in the bottom group. What year was joined, this? This was 88 or 89. Wow. I guess see, I, I would have been around probably at the same time. Just, yeah. 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 And so I, I got in one of those improv groups and we gave it a crazy name, like a uh, donkey lover or whatever it was. Yeah. And we went up in front of crowds uh, and my goal was if I can make strangers laugh, I'll, I'll give show business to try. And we went up in front of these paying crowds and bombed like horribly. Like it was, yeah. I, we were up there for 30 minutes. There might've been a couple snickers and they were just, it wasn't happening. And we yeah. did it multiple times and it kills me. Like it kills all of us to bomb. Yeah. And so I was just like, you know, this isn't working. I'm going to go across town. I signed up at the Matchbox, I think it was called, for an open mic on a Tuesday night. And I went up and I wrote I wrote 10 minutes of jokes and I just speed talked them through them in five minutes. Uh, and I got laughs. Like yeah. I got real strangers laughs. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to try that. And and that was it. I went back to Colgate and I, I started a comedy group. And, and that's the group that became broken lizard that made super troopers and beer fest and all those movies. Yeah. It's interesting though, that you, you took that success in, cause to me, the whole difference is group solo group versus solo. And you had yeah. the success in solo, but you still went back to school and founded a group, you know, I mean, yeah, well, I started, I started stand up at 19. I've never stopped. I've been doing right. No, I know that. Yeah. Right. So I kind of just decided to kind of keep both tracks going. Yeah. It's it's something I've done my whole kind of career. I mean, I, I've got involved in film, but also television and also stand up and, you know, live performing. And then, you know, I, I wrote a novel, you know, I'm like, Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I'm just well. It's not. I'm like I'm almost done with this novel. Oh, you're sitting uh, on it right now, just to I'm make you high enough it. for the camera. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, it's got to have some use. But I mean, it's. I, I still have this mentality, like I said, where I'm like, if one thing, if they stop letting me do one thing, I'm going to do this other thing. Right, I'll right. Do this other thing. I'll right. just keep it going. Well, I guess the first question is, does that come out of insecurity? Does that kind of like that sort of I'll show you. Does that come out of insecurity? Does that come out of somebody really telling you you couldn't do it? I don't really know. I, yeah. I mean, I, my, my parents have always said that I've suffered from overconfidence because uh, I'm I'm enormously sure that it's going to work out. Yeah. And in fact, it has worked out. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, is that insecurity or is it just over? I don't know the answer to that. I just know. Once I think of an idea 
and I'm like, well, I have this idea for a novel. I almost have to do it because I've never written a novel. I'm kind of, I kind of get a little of that juice where I'm like, I bet they don't think I can write a novel. Yeah. It's all that. It's all, you don't think I can do it. You watch me. And then there I do. Wow. I I'd like to borrow some of that because uh, <laughs> I'm perfectly happy doing nothing. Um, but I also, well, you, no, you got the most beloved co- podcast. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing, I'm wearing a, a tiara right now that says mm-hmm. that, most beloved. Mm-hmm. Um, at a certain point, you can stop. <laughs> I mean, we just said it, you know, we just said it. But it is like, I I don't think it it can't be just that you have the nerve to push. Because um, at a certain point, you got to, you got, you got to put up, you know, you, you know, and, and you're not obviously not shutting up, um, but you're so you're you're performing, you know, and people don't do this, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, I think that that's a good engine just get you started, but you know, you, you perform, you know, and, yeah. and you can, you know how to do all this shit now, and especially the more you do it, the more you can do it. You know, the- it's totally true. But if you know the, the way movies get made, for example, is they don't just, they don't just hand them to you. Right. They, you know, everybody else has trying to make their own, but the way I make movies is I come up with an idea and then I just push that thing all the way up the hill. Yeah. And if I don't push it up the hill, it's not going to get made. Yeah. And so I I've realized it's the same way with writing novels or, you know, I I sound like a dick, but I actually built an app, too. And I'm like, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like, what the hell else am I doing? I mean, I, I, this is what I do for a living. I might as well keep doing. It. Yeah. Yeah. And does that process make you happy, though? I mean, is yeah. there sort of a dissatisfaction that's that's fueling it or, you know? No, I, I, am really quite happy. I, you know, I, I, the things that make me happy in life are all my little showbiz ventures. Uh, and I play a lot of golf and I play a lot of ping pong and my family. Yeah. Those people, those people. (laughs) Oh yeah. Those people. You got to say that because they might listen. The kids might listen. We saw walking by behind there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a room of rejected mascot memorabilia. Is it real? No one knows. But we do know NJM is proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. NJM. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Mr. Hamburglar. Bravo, bravo. He said, of all the McDonald's burgers I've ever hamburgled, these are the hottest, juiciest, and tastiest. Rubble. Hurry in and enjoy one of our 350 bundles, like a daily double and small fries for a limited time. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any of the offer comparison of prior classic burgers. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Can't you tell my love's a grow? Well, now, wh- when you get to college... 
do you are you do you have this notion of show show business? And it's Colgate, and that's that's in New York, yeah. right? That's in Colgate's upstate New York. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if I remember correctly, it's very. There's not a lot going on in whatever town Colgate it's is. It's just it's it's up in the hills of New York, and it's surrounded by farms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, but it's considered the. I mean, it wins the most beautiful school in the country, uh, along with Princeton, every year. Yeah, because I think I you know back in the '90s I did college dates as just a way to make some money on the weekends, yeah. and I. I think I did one there, and I remember. I think after the show, I was like, "All right, I'll get some dinner." And everyone told me, "Oh, there's no dinner to be had." <laughs> and it was like eight. It was like nine o'clock, and right. we were like, "No, no, there's." I was like, "What about pizza?" No, there's no, there's no pizza. <laughs> so I just like kind of went back to some weird old bed and breakfasty hotel. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And I do remember there were like uh, a room. It was filled with flies. <laughs> that's the other thing i remember about my- so it must have been must have been september yeah it was, uh, it was yeah there's tons of flies up there in september it we gave me an to, amityville feel you know like we that. tried to catch them with chopsticks after we saw one of those uh karate Kung kid Fu movies. movies yeah 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 uh, and then we gave up and we, and we just would bash them out of the sky and and you know and the thing about a fly is it has like 36 eyes i guess but it cannot tell when the ceiling is getting lower. Oh, wow. So you can come down at a fly directly above it and then wham, you can smash it. Oh, good to know. That's people. That's valuable information. It's the kind of thing you learn at Colgate. Yeah. <laughs> that's a Paget Brewster. Uh, and this, you know, the last question of these three questions, uh, these beloved questions is uh, what have you learned? And one of hers was you can sharpen scissors by cutting aluminum foil. And I was like, well, that's, <laughs> thank you. Finally, something useful, you know? That's incredible. Too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is that true? That's I've incredible. tried it and it does. I mean, it's not completely foolproof if your scissors are really fucked, but yeah. it does help. It does make well, them a little sharper. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, now you studied like English or something? I was, a, his- I was a, a history, history major. major. And is that just, you just like, I'm going to college and I'll learn comedy and I'll figure out how to. No, I, I definitely was not going into show business when I got to Colgate. I was yeah. there, you know, my sister was a history major at Northwestern and I'm like, I don't know, okay, I'll do that. Do that. I, mean, I loved history at, in, we had a great history teacher in high school um, uh, who was at Lake Forest Academy. And, and he convinced us both to go into history because this, he told the stories of, of what happened in the French Revolution so beautifully in such an interesting way. I thought, I think I was attracted to stories back then. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. that's the that's the answer is that I, I loved I still love stories. Like we yeah. all love stories. And and it, it I couldn't have put it together why, but I wanted to be a history major. Yeah. And I mean, are there things that it that that being there for that sort of liberal arts education teaches you? I mean, are there film classes? Cause then you went into directing a film and that, you know. There was nothing. There was nothing like that. I was in a lot of plays. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, writing 30 page history papers at the end of every semester made me believe that I could write sketch. Yeah. As I said to the I mean, all the people I've hired for the group, I'm like, you know, we write these term papers. They're 30 pages long. You don't think we write a three page, five page sketch. Everyone's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we can. Yeah, and yeah. we did. And we turned out to be, you know, good at it. Yeah. Luckily, luckily, by, um, by the end, you got and you guys had a different name there, right? Charred Goosebeak. Charred Goosebeak. Yeah, good change, man. 
still going. Yeah, yeah. By the way, it's is it really? Going. Yes. Oh wow! Oh, you left them behind, and it became yes. a, yeah. It yes, became the whiff and poofs or whatever. The... Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's, that's right. great. And, and so when it came time to write a movie again, I was like, you know, we wrote these papers. Why can't we write a movie? Um, and, you know, like people like Kevin Smith and Eddie Burns and Whit Stillman were making movies yeah. in, in New York. And we were in New York in the 90s. But we said, well, those guys can do it. Why can't we do it? And so we wrote a movie. I mean, it's simple as that. Yeah. Like we didn't know anything about structure. We didn't know about three acts. We just wrote it. And it somehow locked into this three act structure by osmosis. I'm not even sure. Really? Wow. And what and and how old are you when you did that? The first, Well, you get out. Of, you, do you all move to New York and you're going to make yeah. it as a sketch group? That's right. And That's do you right. just start doing live shows? Putting, you know, are they yeah, are well, they scripted? A- do they change all the time? There was a theater called the uh, Duplex in the West Village of Manhattan. And it's it's, you know, it's a gay neighborhood. And so the the uh, they had a big piano bar there and all these cabaret singers and some of them are in drag would kind of perform there. And so I went up and I'm like, hey, can we and we couldn't find a place to go up. And this was close to my house. I'm like, do you think we could do a show here? And they're like, what's yeah, I guess so. You can have Monday nights. And so we rolled this sort of little fraternity show. I mean, we were all in the same fraternity and we went up and we did this like hour long sketch show that we wrote. And we did, we made little short films that would, would go in between the sketches so we could change from mermaid costume to banana costume. You know, we needed a minute. Right. Uh, and, you know, on the Monday nights, because we knew so many people from Colgate, we would sell Monday night out and we would sell the most alcohol this place had ever sold in its history. Oh, wow. And they were like, who are you guys? <laughs> and we're like, we're the Colgate people. And they're like, yeah, we're famous we, we, alcoholics. Yeah. They're like, we don't, we don't really love your show or really care about it, but you guys are now our Friday night and Saturday night act. And oh, so wow. we were suddenly like main, cause we were selling the most uh, alcohol of any act. And they were like, and that's really what show business is about. <laughs> sure. Selling the booze. Sure. Sure. And so, yeah, we were, you know, so they moved us and we, and we kind of, you know, we kind of had, took off in this in this in this exciting way because of the Colgate alumni. Were you guys resented by the regulars, both regular performers and regular audience I think members? So. I think just that classic show business resentment that everybody has for everybody else. Yeah, yeah. You know? you, who are you guys? You, yeah. You, you, you know, where's your uh, lounge singing piano crossdresser? That's not cool. My uh, my bar in Chicago, uh, up where I lived uh, in, in Ravenswood, uh, was just the nicest, quietest, coziest little bar. Except for Tuesday nights, they would have live Irish music, and it would just be packed by people that wouldn't be there the rest of the week. And uh-huh. I fucking hated it. I was like, <laughs> "You fuckers with their deedly 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 dee," and uh, you know, had this axe to which actually I I put into an episode of Andy Richter controls the universe, uh-huh. and anti- like me bitching about the Irish uh, was actually put into. Uh, episode of Andy Richter controls the universe, and uh, and I mean I you know I love the Irish, but it was just it was just because it they took my my quiet bar away and made it so that I had to wait for a drink. It's funny that you didn't come up with the idea to go to another bar on Tuesday nights. Uh, no, we would, we would, but it just it was it was like so inconvenient because right. this bar was right. so close, and it was one, it was also one of those things where eh, I'll go down there and I'll see somebody. You know, like I'll see right. like somebody like just in the best sense. It was sure. It was just like your place, you know. Right. 
except um, on Tuesdays. Yes, except on Tuesdays. Well, do you, now, do you guys any kind of like long term game plan as a group, or did you just do it all yourselves? Like, did you were you waiting for casting people? Were you waiting for agents? Were you waiting for producers? I always thought, you know, after the first film, that we would have this flood of people making us offers. And, yeah. you know, and to be fair, we did. Like, we got two television deals, one at ABC and one at NBC, and we almost got a show on the air, just like everybody else. Of course, right. Oh, thanks, so close. But we really did. And uh, it didn't happen. And, you know, the state got their sketch show, uh, which I guess was called The State. And so we were like, okay, so there's, in Living Color, there's Saturday Night Live, there's The State, there's Kids in the Hall, uh, there's Mr. Show. Like, they don't, we don't need another sketch group, right? Yeah, we don't. Yeah. So we said, let's just focus on movies and we'll try to become the American Monty Python. I mean, to be really honest with you, I named it Broken Lizard because I wanted people to say Python begets lizard. I wanted that. Oh, I see. I wanted them to think about it that way. Yeah. And yeah. so we named it that. And I'm like, and you know, amazingly i think we're on our we've made eight movies or something like it's like and it's all mostly i mean once you make a movie and make somebody money the studio wants you to make more of them and, and that keeps sort of happening for us here and there we've been at three studios now so it's it's working uh but uh, the reality is is unless you keep on uh pushing uh, on your own uh, it doesn't continue to work yeah, uh, uh, I know you've advised me to stop stop worrying about it, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't think. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't say I just to... don't. I mean, I don't mean stop worrying about it, but it is. I don't know. I mean, because it's uh, you know, I because I, I have some of that. Like, I, it's just you know, I, it's 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 a frustration from being a kid and just not being listened to and not and never feeling like you have any control over anything until you're like 17, you know, like it's mm. like forever. You're just kind of, Hey, shut up. You know, like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to do that. I told you to, Oh, okay. Uh, you know? Uh -huh, and I think uh -huh. that's just still in me. And sometimes I just think it's not very useful anymore. Like I just am, it just kind of makes me feel shitty and bad. And I should just like, and also sort of like see resistance where there isn't resistance. Where, yeah. where if anything, there's just apathy, you know, it's like, I'm not, there's not people actively against me. They're just not thinking about me at all. So why am I so fucking uptight about it? Um, but anyhow, well, I mean, that's truly, uh, now you're, are you the, are you the de facto leader of the group? I mean, you're naming it, you're directing the thing. Well, I started I mean, it. Yeah. You know, I, I put up the signs that said audition for comedy group. Um, oh, Wow. I literally started it. So, but, I am, but if those yeah. guys are in your, your guys are living in the same house, I mean, did it just kind of, how did that work out? How did the makeup of the group? And there's, uh, there's five of you. Is that right? Yeah. There are five of us. Yeah. Uh, back at Colgate, what happened was that I, I came back to Colgate after being in Chicago at the improv Olympic and really failing at improv. And I, but I told everybody, I'm like, man, am I a good I improviser? Yeah. Chris, Farley and the whole, well, the whole, you know, the whole thing. And so one of the guys in who had started a student theater group called uh, Kinetic Theater Group, he had just started this really successful theater group. And I acted a couple of plays for him. And then he was going to London for the semester. And he said, hey, I'm, I want to keep the Kinetic Theater Group going. So can you, I'm going to have four one act plays done. And I, and I want you to direct one of the one acts. 
And you, what you should do is do that improv thing you were talking about in Chicago. Everyone, you know, everyone's here, here, heard about how great you did in Chicago. Do that improv thing. And I'm like, Oops. yeah, okay, <laughs> okay. And so I go to Kevin Heffernan, who played Farva, right? And uh-huh. um, I said, hey, man, you want to do that? You want to do an improv show like, uh, you know, Chris Farley and all that? And he goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, you know, me and you will do an improv show. He goes, we're doing a goddamn improv show. He goes, people are going to laugh at us. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. So I go to the guy. I'm like, we're not doing an improv show. It's our senior year. We're going to just get hammered. And he's like, oh, OK. And so a few months go on and he, you know, this is now the summer and he's going to London and he goes, hey, man, I got three one act plays ready to go in the fall. You're the fourth. You got to do the improv show. I'm like, OK, I had just come from a Grateful Dead show. I was feeling a little jelly headed. Right. I'd spent four days there. And so I call Kevin Heffern. He's a he's a dishwasher in Nantucket. I'm like, dude, Let's do the improv show. Let's do the improv show like Chris Farley. And he goes, I told you I'm not doing the damn improv show. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I called the guy back. I'm like, we're not doing the improv show. Now it's the fall and I'm in my basement at my fraternity getting, drinking, whatever. And the payphone rings and some freshman pledge is like, hey, the phone's ringing. It's for you, some guy from London. And I pick up the phone. The guy's like, it's a done deal. You're doing the improv show. You're doing the improv show. And I'm like, fine, I'll do it. And I go up to Heffernan's room, I'm like, it's a done deal. We're doing the improv show. He goes, fine, I'll do it. And that's how it started. Wow. And so I, then I put all, I went around and I said, who's funny? And I found all these funny people, put them together and away we went. Oh, wow. And no, and there was never any, I mean, is the dynamic always kind of been that you lead and that you're sort of, yes. or has it been uh, more of a democratic thing as time went on? It's, it's a little bit of both. It's yeah. like a benevolent dictatorship. Yeah. Uh, uh, however, I, you know, we take votes on some things and, and Kevin Heffernan has directed two of our films, including one, which was the Slam and Salmon, um, which we made where we all worked in a, a restaurant uh, and, uh, with uh, Michael Clark Duncan. And the second one is a, is a movie that's going to come out in December on Hulu, I think. It's called Quasi. Mm-hmm. And it's a 13th century French movie. I play like the King of France and a friend of mine, Paul, plays the... Um, Pope and Steve Lemmy plays the hunchback. It's and it's a it's a hunchback. British, it's like a hunchback play. Yeah, it's a hunchback play. And it's, yeah, yeah. it's you know, that whole thing. And everyone's got British accents. And it's like you're in the middle of this thing with swords. You're like, we're in a fucking Python movie. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. So where, where was that shot? Did you shoot that here somewhere? We shot it in Santa Clarita. And then we we sent a, we took a unit over to uh, Ireland and shot some castles. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I, that's that's. I know how you fun. hate the. I know how you hate the Irish. No, no, I, I actually, I actually was it. just in. I was yeah. in Dublin a minute ago and really, really, really loved it. Of course, it's a beautiful place. Great country. And uh, yeah, and and you know, and it is true. Like, what a bunch of fucking nice people. I mean, you know, yeah. they're, you know, they, their, their sense of humor is very poking fun at people. You know, but uh, yeah, but I like that. Just super nice. Yeah, yeah. I like the making fun of sense of humor. Yes, I like yes. That. It can go too far because I I do cry. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. 
Saving money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Can't you tell my loves a girl? Uh, you know, I have, I've never directed a movie or a TV show. I've directed some commercials. And yeah. I mean, and I've, you know, I've done, you know, you can't call it directing because it's, there's guild rules. But, you know, I've directed a bunch of stuff for Conan. You know, like you make sure. a sketch and you, you're directing, you know. Right. Uh, you write it and you direct it. But to go to a feature, to do a feature, like that's your first Dip, you know, I mean, you make videos. You're making like videos yeah. to run through your show, but you step up and you do a feature. How do you keep your shit together? How do you not like just crumble into you know a puddle of imposter well, syndrome? I mean, I've made about whatever. Let's call it 15 short videos, right? Yeah. So I had some sense of, and we edited them, and I'm like, okay, I think I know how that works. How to do a shot list and whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I, I, we made a half an hour film, um, which I co-directed with the film student guy I met at NYU, and I took a summer class. And and I got a sense of that in a half an hour film, right? So now I was getting ready to make a feature, and I'm like, as it turned out, I was overcome with stress because I, I developed these phantom pains in my in my right knee that, that weren't from an injury. I just literally was hobbling around. Wow. Uh, and I had back pains that I'm like, oh, my God, there was no nothing caused it. Right. Yeah. It was just yeah. Stress. stress. And I was eating as much as I could and drinking as much beer as I could. And I lost roughly 12 or 13 pounds making that movie. Wow. And, but when we cut it all together, I'm like, oh yeah, it, that's it. It kind of all cut together beautifully. And, and on Super Troopers, I, I, I lost another 13 pounds doing the same thing. On, on Club Dread, I lost about 10 pounds. But on Dukes of Hazard. I gained 22 pounds and I'm like, I think I know what I'm doing. I didn't have any phantom pains for the first time ever. Wow. And I'm like, I think I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm getting fat as, as fuck, but boy, I think I got it. Did you and, shoot and that I, down South? Down in, in Louisiana. And yeah, now see, I don't that's, gain. That's I don't, part yeah, of it. That's part of it. I don't lose weight with. anymore when I make movies. I, I feel like very confident about what I'm doing. Yeah, but it yeah. takes, it takes a minute, man. It's not, because all these people are looking at you and they're all older. Cause I was like 25 when I'm or 24, 25 when I made my first feature and they're all like, what do you want to do? And you're like, Oh, fucking no. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't say that. You're like, well, let's look this way. And they're like, we have all the trucks parked that way. And you're like, okay, so move them. And then that takes an hour. <laughs> like they, you make stupid mistakes, right? You make yeah, stupid yeah, yeah. Cause you're the boss. Right. But eventually you stop making it. I mean, and I, I learned this doing the Conan show, and I've said this before, like the, the greatest gift uh, that Conan gave me, besides my stage name, uh, my real name is Charles Kaczynski, um, uh, no, is, uh, the, thing, the greatest gift he gave me is that he just <laughs> invited me into the process of, of producing the show. He trusted yeah. me. And I mean, I don't know if you have this, but 
I feel I see so many people in comedy, and I have it where you got to have one person. I call, I mean, for lack of a better term, the consigliere, where you're like, is that good? Is that yeah. you know? I'm look. Right. Is that right. because there's so many times I will write a joke or write a bit, and I'm like, I think this is really funny but I have a hunch that it might not be. And you got to ask somebody and it's, you either get like, yeah, it's really good or eh, it's okay. You know? Yeah. And so he kind of used me in that role. And, and then I just, you know, like you said, you just keep doing it and you get some poise and you get to where you can, you can make decisions and that's all yeah. it is. It's just, you don't have to like, I mean, it, it does help to have some forward thinking, obviously, but mostly what it is, standing with your feet flat on the ground when somebody comes to you with a multi-choice problem. And yeah. you go, I think this way this way to do it would be the best. Yeah. And you get used to making what is sort of like, you know, maybe not the best decision it turns out, but a pretty good one that like factors in all the different things that you need to work. Like the trucks are over there. All right, so maybe let's not move the trucks. Or, you know what, I really want to see that little house in the background. We have to move the trucks. Right, but on the scout, you can say, park the trucks there because yeah. I won't look over there. Right, like, That's right. the kind of stuff you learn. And then you save yourself an hour, and then you're shooting more, and then the show's better. And then, you know, you're being paid for your comedic instinct. Yeah. Right? I mean, on a show, you need somebody who is who's going to be the comedian. Right. You know, right. and, and if that's you, you're like, they're like, what do you think? And I'm like, well, my comedically instinctually, I think this. Yeah. And that's that's why they pay you. Yeah. And yeah. once you once you can accept that you're that person. Right. You know, more good things will flow if right. you're, in fact, as funny as you think you are. The difference in law and movies is that, you know, you really do have to sustain and they, and you can't. It can't be all accelerator. There's got to be some times when you kind of give people a break. It's like, you know, it's like action movies. Can't all be action, action, action. Yeah. It's just exhausting. And in comedy, it's kind of, you know, you can't, it can't all just be one screamingly right. funny bit after another. I mean, it, 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 of course, optimally, you're like, yeah, it would be great if it was just like screamingly funny. But yeah. actually, that's kind of too much, you know? Well, and how do, you, how do you learn that pacing? I mean, do you just I learn it by we, doing it or, and are there you know, any, any sort of like rules that you learned? To, to me, the whole thing has to fit. The whole movie has to fit within a certain bandwidth. And so like the most subtle joke needs to coexist in the same movie with the biggest joke. Right. Yeah. And if it pops out the top and it's too broad, I'm like, cut it. You know, if it's too quiet, too subtle, I'm like, cut it. Yeah. Like I need things to sort of fit in the bandwidth. And then within that, I need the rhythm to be right. The rhythm to be right. You know, like, it's like, take this word out and this joke will really take off or, you know, feather in a tiny pause and then speed up, speed up, speed up. It's, it's like a song really. Like there's a thing in the, in the editing I've, you know, I've edited all these movies as well. And so uh, I'm in the editor's guild. So it's like you, there's a thing called the radio cut when you take a scene and you and you cut it into the way you think it should sound and you turn the image off. So you're not even looking at it. You're just listening to it. And you go, oh, that joke is coming in about two thirds of a second too late. And so you go in and you put two thirds of a second of, of a reaction shot in and you're like, yep, that's right. 
And you kind of go through the whole movie that way and you put it into the audio rhythm. And then, then you go back and make sure that the images are working. Wow. I mean, that is the, that, and, and then when the audience hears it, they go, they relax because the rhythm feels comedically right. Yeah. I've never heard that. Where, where did you pick that one up? Well, I, I, uh, when I finished uh, Super Troopers, we sold it at Sundance and, and Fox Searchlight hired a guy named George Fulzi, who had, who had cut uh, and produced Animal House, Blues Brothers, Trading Places, Twilight Zone. Wow. Uh, and he, he said, well, why you, we sat with him and, he's, and we, we wanted to take seven minutes out. And he's like, well, you know, you can take, he's an old timer. So you can take this out. And he, tell, he tells about the radio cut. Oh, and yeah. And we were like, oh, yeah. We kind of think we, you know, we kind of in, thought of it. We thought we were doing it a different way, but we're like, oh, I see. Just turn this picture off and listen to it. It's uh, it's very useful. Yeah, that's great. It's really hard to hold a group together. And I mean, and you guys are still, I mean, you all go and do different stuff. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, I mean, it's like a band, you know, like how many bands really stay together? And and stay together productively, and or, or you know, stay together and don't kill each other. Yeah, you know it's why there aren't. I mean, there really aren't. When you think about, it, I mean, there's a million bands, and you just listed the sketch comedy groups. You know, like a minute ago when you talked about what sketch comedies are on TV, you listed yeah. them. There's yeah. not a lot more, and I mean, and some of those are sort of of artificial design. They were put, to, you know, right. Saturday night live is not an organic no. thing, but kids in the hall is, and the state was. Yeah. And, and how do you guys, how do you guys stay together? How do you guys sort of navigate being crazy people? <laughs> you have to, you have to allow for other people's egos. Yeah. You know, you have to kind of balance these movies so that everybody gets a chance to really be funny. Yeah. Uh, and so that there's a team element to it. You know, this scene, I, you know, you get the better jokes than I do. Great. I'm setting you up. Next scene, you're setting me up and then we're setting that guy up. You know, it's like it's just got to balance it as you write it um, so that everybody feels like they're a worthwhile part of the movie. And there's not one star necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, and then you got to basically create films where you're paying people money to write them and be in them yeah yeah, you know, so yeah. That they feel like it's a job like yeah. they're making money writing and 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 then we make money for the studios and they go okay we want you guys to make more you know we're more valuable to the to the show business together than we are as individuals even though we're all we all do stuff individually for sure yeah there's some excitement when we get the group back together yeah yeah it's the way it is how do you how do you navigate rough spots? I mean, is there sort of a method, or you just kind of? Well, we we fought many times. Yeah, we fought brutally many times. But at the end of the day, I always say, you know, you're welcome to leave, right? I mean, it's like I'm not stopping you. Like, but ultimately, you know, you got to think about your life without this group, and if you're going to be happier without it, then leave. Yeah. Right. But, I, but, 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 but I would tell you, tell you, in my view, we're better together. And if we can continue to make movies together, you know, into to, up to what age, right? Let's right. keep going until right. they say stop. Yeah. Right. And if you want to be part of that, let's solve this problem. Right. Has uh, this long term professional relationship 
changed the personal relationship? I mean, is is there less of personal yeah, connection? There's less of a personal relationship because you know, when we make a movie together, we're living in the same yeah. hotel and we're just spending tons of social time together. And then when we're done, you know, we're editing it. Yeah. <laughs> and and then we're like, we're not we're not exactly the first person we want to hang out with is yeah. the guy we've just been hanging out with. But that's OK. Oh, I, yeah. Well, well not got, you all have families. You're all old at this yeah, point, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. You're still walking around back there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, because people in fact, I just. I just did a little thing for the Team Coco's website, which was like a fan questionnaire. And one of yeah. them was like, is Conan your best friend? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and I mean, you know, like he's certainly a very dear friend, but uh-huh. uh, people have been asking that forever. Like, how much do you guys, because they, you know, I don't know, they th- picture us sleeping in bunk beds. That was always our joke, you know, yeah. but it's like, no, we are together all freaking day, you know, yeah. and then. And we have been together on and off for 30 years. So, yeah. like, we have had lots and lots of time. And and it's not just like, oh, it's drudgery. It's like laughs. It's like huge yeah. laughs, huge good times. But then when it's done, it's like, I got to. I gotta see somebody else. You know, yeah. I gotta, I gotta, yeah. I gotta see my family. I gotta see, you know, friends that don't have anything to do with this. Yeah, I mean, the truth is. We we were friends when we were 18. Yeah. Like before we had any ambition. Yeah. You know, and so that friendship is it's not really go. I mean, I, I'm I know so many things about them, and we've been on the road together, we've been on like the tonight show together, like we've done stuff. You're like, this is great, but um yeah. the friendship's not going anywhere, like yeah. it's just We'll make another movie soon and we'll be, I'll be hanging out again. Yeah, I'll see you then. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, uh, I mean, as far as where you're going, I mean, it sounds just like it's just, you're just going to kind of continue on the same track. Yeah. I think I'm going to keep pumping it out until I, my little heart drops. <laughs> I just don't know what else would stop me. I just don't know. I mean, you, you I don't love- see any point where you just like, man, I'd like to kick back or is kicking back. Not an option. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm, when I play golf, which I p- try to do every day, I think of jokes and I'm like, oh, I could put that joke in the novel or I could do that on a stand-up stage. And I'm like, it just keeps, it keeps coming. And yeah. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I, mean, I have to stick them somewhere. Right, I, have to right, perform- right. I have to try them. I have to try them. Get a Twitter account, man. That's what I do. <laughs> I think of funny shit and I put it on Twitter and then, then people tell me, why are you wasting it on Twitter? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, it's Is that like- where you put them out? Yeah, I mean, and I know, I mean, when I started, a, I started a Twitter account because I was like, I don't know, 2010 or 2009 or something. And I got a call from, it was at that time, it was the Tonight Show, from the production yeah. manager. I was going to play in Anaheim in the All-Star Game Celebrity Legends softball game. It's like, and I'd done it a couple times. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, where you play in a softball game with like Ernie Banks. Like I I got to see Ernie Banks nude. Uh, just not a lot wow. of people. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. And, and it, you, it's, what's great in the locker room is like all these old baseball guys are incredibly comfortable being nude around each other for mm-hmm. long extended, you know, cause like normally in a, in a bat in a locker room, you're naked for a minute. You're talking to your pal, but you know, like quickly you get something on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, sure. And these guys, nope. You know, it's just like, there's, I, I, I can't remember exactly who else was there, but it's just like. 
but yeah. it is they're just naked they're just they're fucking naked they've been naked half their lives around each other it's no big deal but anyway so i go down there to play that thing twitter's pretty new the production manager says hey they said if you tweet about the game that they'll give you a new iphone at the end of the day i was like fuck yeah okay and i opened a twitter account like in the car on the way down there never got the iphone Oh, but, but you know, it's okay, whatever. I mean, I, you know, I, I could, I can pay for an iPhone, but it started, you know, decades yeah. of time wasting for me. Yeah. And, and I know so many comedians who are like, I'm not going to waste my stuff on Twitter, but I've always yeah. had this kind of improv ethos of I can make more. Like, yeah, right. I don't have to treat every, like every egg that I shove out of my cloaca is not made of gold. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be laying eggs all day. So don't, you know, right? I don't have I to worry it. about I it. I get it. I but I mean, it. but there is plenty of times when I think, I, you know, because I'll, I'll look at some tweets, especially like someone will put them back into my feed. And I'm like, that's really fucking funny, man. You should have done something with that besides tweeted. I mean, they're always there and I could do it, but. Yeah, I just you know I don't know. I you I, just expose it to other people who may just grab. It. I just like you know it's like a thing. It's like you said, and I and that's why I relate to it. These jokes are coming to me, and rather than just like turn to whoever's next to me who's sick of me anyway, and say here's a fu-, you know which is weird anyway. I mean, what am you going to tell your kid like, hey, I I thought about a funny thing about politics. They'd be like, <laughs> shut the fuck up, dad. So what? Yeah, yeah, big deal. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, no, so that's what I, 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 you know, and it's it's an ongoing, like, me focusing. I'm still the kid that was like, he he has so much potential. If only he would, if only he would focus. I mean, you know, like, that's why I say, like, sitting here listening to you, it all hurts a little, because I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck. If I just had a little bit of that fucking direction and drive, I mean, you made a fucking app. Let's talk about that, for Christ's sake. Well, I got pissed off again because um, 20 years ago, I made Super Troopers and it went to Sundance and we were like the toast. Like We sold it there and everybody loved us. Then the movie comes out uh, and a year later and it gets a 36% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. And I was like, what? I'm like, what do we have to do? And I was like, who are these reviewers, right? They're yeah, just yeah, good yeah. writers with, with, they're just good writers with, with movie. Ch- I'm like, you know, yeah. or, said, weird, basic- or weird shut-ins from Omaha, you know? Yeah. But they're basically what they are as strangers, right? You don't know, you don't know where they went to school. You don't know if they went to school. You don't know if they smoke weed. You don't know if they drink. You don't know if they like yeah. R-rated movies. You don't know anything. The guy who, who trashed Super Troopers of the New York Times also, he didn't really love The Hangover. And I'm like, well, you don't like either of those movies what what why are you even why are you reviewing r-rated comedy so i was like you know when's the last time you walked up to a stranger and said hey what movie should i see i mean that's basically what we're doing right and the other thing is they tee off on comics right and they tee off on horror movies and i'm like you guys aren't even the reason you tee off on these movies is because when you tee off on them People love it and they follow you more. And you don't tee off on dramas because you want to go to the Oscar parties. I get it. I know what you're up to. Right. So I was like, you know, I'm going to build a revenge machine. And so (laughs) finally, after 16 years later, I'm like, I got it. I'm going to build an app. And I'm basically building something that that is meant to supplant Rotten Tomatoes at some point in the future. right? Right. 
And so Rotten Tomatoes aggregates 90 strangers who are the main reviewers' opinions and gives you a 36% number. Uh, but what I want to do is I, what I built, it's built, it's called Vouch Vault, right? And it, it's basically Instagram of recommendations. So if you go onto my Vouch Vault, if you sign, uh, sign up and follow me, uh, you'll see that I like Reservoir Dogs and you'll see that I like Let It Bleed, the Rolling Stones album. And you'll see that I like um, uh, the Andy Richter podcast. And you'll see that I like the Tesla and the and the restaurant uh, Osteria La Buca in Hollywood. And yeah. you see that I like this uh, sushi restaurant. And, you know, it's everything I like. So it's also a positive thing. It's like it's like you don't go to dinner parties and say, hey, what sucks? What shouldn't I see? Mm-hmm. Right? That's not how we work. We go, hey, what's good? What yeah. don't you tell me about it? And so it also acts as sort of a memory machine, right? So like I tell my kid, I'm like, you should listen to B-52s. And they're like, okay, sure. And they walk away. But instead, I have it put it into my vouch vault, and they and my my kids like, oh, what's that album? My dad talked me about, and it's right there. It's just sitting there because there are no DVDs, they're barely books. There's just you know, it's it's a way to kind of keep the things you love all grouped together. Yeah, click a link, and then there you're on it. So I open an account. I do I do I plug in what I like, and then it suggests people that have similar tastes to me that eventually, I could then sort, yeah. eventually it will but yeah. right now you just open an account and put all the things you love in yeah put in uh the holy grail put in life of brian right. put in you know whatever and and you but and is it just, but you said you were saying cars and stuff too is that the same or anything is it, really anything. okay because the problem is more than just rotten tomatoes the problem is also yelp reviews of restaurants you're like they're 2,000 good ones, 2,000 bad ones, yeah, 2,000 right, in the middle. Right. And you're like, who wrote them? Yeah. Did the did the guy with the restaurant across the street write them? You're like, in fact, when you want to go to a restaurant, you look at it, you're like, well, Jay ate there. And you can message me and be like, do they have good hot dogs? And I'll be like, they have great hot dogs. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. So you know who's recommend recommending stuff. It's anything. Yeah. It's like, you know, these eye drops. I love them. Right. I mean, <laughs> they're delicious. I, <laughs> yum, yum. I mean, um, it's meant to sort of take the bullshit out of recommendations. Right. And yeah. it's, and I'm not really familiar with it, but it's not. What is Letterboxd? I know my, my daughter's on Letterboxd. Is that? Yeah. Well, Letterboxd is for film. I see. Um, this is for film, television, podcast, music, headphones. It's just anything. a wider, wider net. It's for everything. I so see. that you're just you just get a big picture of what yeah. all the things somebody loves. And Letterbox also, I don't know that it's designed to follow the people you know as much right. as I think it finds trends and said so this person likes this movie and they also, you know, we're trying to get rid of the robot side of it. You know, like, you know, when a robot at Netflix tells you, hey, you're going to love Will and Grace. You're like, right. I don't know, it's okay. Maybe you know, will, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't want to hear from robots. I want right. to hear from humans I know. Yeah. And so eventually we'll say, hey, Andy you actually match up with this Australian woman who likes 80% of the same stuff that you do. And you should look at the other 20% of the stuff she likes. Cause who knows? You might like that too. Yeah. It's sort of like, it's sort know, of like the way you do in life. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But it's humans. It's now, humans are you actually doing the, co- are you doing the coding? Like, can you do that? Is or that you- like a Indian like kind of thing is that you think we're all good at coding? <laughs> well, no, well, you're the one that's crowing about you made an app. You sat down with an HTML. Yeah, what the I, fuck? I, 
I can't code my way out of a paper bag, but uh, <laughs> I, I uh, work with these two guys who are um, very good at that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, no, and I'm they, just curious because I don't know how it works. You know, well, I didn't either. And it was really like uh, I just I wrote, you know, I'd, I'd write it on paper. When you click this, this will happen. And then yeah, click that, yeah, yeah. That'll happen. And and I showed it to these computer guys, and they're like, you know, we're already, you know, and, and we kind of built it. Uh, and right. luckily they have such great artistic style and, you know, you're really thinking about like, how does the brain work? How does my brain work when I press this? What do I want to have happen? Yeah. And that's sort of a, it's like a creating a machine that you're trying to make it think the way you do. Sure. You know, the last of the three questions is what you've learned, which is either, you know, I mean, it often takes the form of advice. It often takes the form of sharpening scissors with aluminum foil I, look, I'll say this. I think that uh, if you're in show business, you know, unless even if you look like Brad Pitt, which, you know, we don't. Um, what? It, <laughs> <laughs> you know, show business doesn't need you. Right. Like you have to push your way in and you have to do it with your own ideas and you have to push those ideas up the hill. It's not going to happen otherwise. You know, like you're not going to just audition and they're gonna like, yeah, you're in Friends. <laughs> frankly, I mean, frankly, you may get in friends, but after friends, what happens? Right. Yeah. I mean, you have to keep pushing. You have to keep producing. And, you you know, you, if in order to have a career at it, you have to keep when you think of a good idea, you got to write it down and make an effort to make it. And then once you make it, everyone has to react to it. And if it's good, they'll go, okay, that was really good. Here's some money. Make another thing. Yeah, that's how it works. No, you can't just sit around waiting for that phone to ring because it's not going to ring. Yeah. Yeah. That's my advice. Fucking ouch again. God damn it, Jay. <laughs> You're supposed to be nice to me on my podcast, not just thought, dig after dig after dig. I wasn't, dig give, I wasn't dig. giving you the advice. I was giving America the advice. It didn't feel like advice. It felt like scold it felt like scolding. Because <laughs> the second I sign off here, I'm just gonna stare at my phone and wait for it to ring. Right. <laughs> it's not going to ring. I'll call uh, you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Jay Chandrasekhar, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, for it. for th this time, you know, you took I he's on vacation, folks. He's at a he's at a beach rental. Uh, yeah. you know. Uh, uh and and before I go, I just want to say I have a film called Easter Sunday starring Joe Coy. Oh yeah. Go, go see it. Go yeah, see yeah, Good yeah. Laughs. I've Lots I've seen laughs. yeah I've seen uh, ads for it. So and I was I was supposed to mention that. Yeah, it's a podcast. It's not that professional. <laughs> hey, we just did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Jay. All again, right, cool. enjoy Thanks, your vacation, Andy. and uh, thank all of you out there for uh, listening to another episode of the Three Questions. I'll be back next week, God willing. Appreciate it, buddy. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco production. It is produced by Sean Doherty and engineered by Rob Schulte. Additional engineering support by Eduardo Perez and Joanna Samuel. Executive produced by Joanna Salataroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Maddie Ogden. Research by Alyssa Grawl. Don't forget to rate and review and subscribe to The Three Questions with Andy Richter wherever you get your podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a-growing? Can't you feel it in the show? This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.
Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.